some volume because they need to hear the words. Okay, the words will appear on the screen if you can't hear them. Get up now, get up now, get up out of bed. Wash your face, brush teeth, come sleep, be hit. Here's your clothes and your shoes, hear the words I said. Get up now, get up and make your bed. Are you hot, are you cold, are you wearing that? Where's your books and your lunch and your homework? And grab your coat and your gloves and your scarf and hat. Don't forget, you got feet and cat. It's fresh, it's what's telling. It's the most important meal of all. Take vitamins so you will grow up one day too, baby. And don't forget to remember the orthodontist will be seeing you every two days. Don't forget your piano lesson is this afternoon. So you must play no trouble. Too slowly, but hurry. The bus is here. Be careful. Come back here. Did you wash behind your ears? Play like a flea rock. Would you just play fair? Be polite. Make a friend. Don't forget to share. Working out each turn. Never take a step. Get along. Don't make me come down there. Clean your room. Wash your clothes. Put your stuff away. Make your bed. Do it now. Do we have all day? Were you born in a barn? Would you like some hay? Can you eat? Can you hear a word I say? Thank you, mothers. It's the father's DNA. I'm telling you. <laughs> Let us pray. Father God, again, Lord, we thank you for mothers, and we thank you for each mom that's here this morning. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be together as your family this morning. Lord, we thank you for those in our children's ministry who are teaching our children this morning. And Father God, we pray that, Lord, as we, as we hear your word this morning, that you'll speak to us. We ask this in your name. Amen. So, some of you might know, my dad is a Presbyterian minister. He's now retired, still extremely busy. So, I grew up in the church and I had to go every Sunday. And as a teenager, I used to go morning and evening every Sunday. And we had family devotions in the morning, 
before school. I went to Sunday school. Once the Sunday school superintendent moaned at me for running around the church. I guess I kind of thought I owned the place, um, as a minister's kid does. And um, I attended the kids' club on a Friday afternoon. We had two groups. The one group was called Navigators, and the other group was called Adventurers. And all of these things had a role in my spiritual journey. But probably what had the most impact by far were the camps that my parents sent me on. Because from about standard 2 or or grade 4, they sent me on scripture union camps. Anyone ever go on a scripture union camp that's sitting here this morning? Some of you. Some of you had fantastic parents that sent you to scripture union camps. And, And one of the reasons that they probably placed such an importance on these camps was that my dad came from a very secular home and he gave his life to the Lord on a scripture union camp. In the early days, they were called SNV camps. And my dad went to Saks in Cape Town and he gave his life to the Lord on a scripture union camp. And on one of those early scripture union camps, probably around about the age of 10, I gave my life to the Lord. And I remember the feeling of peace that I had after that camp, that God had heard my prayer, that my sins were forgiven, that I was his child, and I'll always be grateful to my folks for sending me to Scripture Union camp, sometimes more than one in a year. And right the way through primary school and and into high school, Scripture Union camps helped me see a different side to the church. The worship was different. It was joyful. It was led by worship leaders with guitars. We didn't have that yet at Goodwood. The people were different. They were friendly. And they were caring. And that wasn't always my perception of the church as a 10-year-old. In fact, I used to think there were only two real Christians at, at Goodwood. No, the first was Loretta Napier. I used to call her Auntie Loretta. And the other one was Uncle Wolfie. And he taught me when I was in grade 6 and 7 at Sunday school. And those were the two people that I thought that were, were the real Christians at Goodwood Presby. And particularly because on a Sunday night, those two would give their testimony. And every single Sunday night, my dad would get up and he would give an opportunity for people to give their testimonies. And Loretta and Wolfie always had something to say because God was always doing something in their life. He was always speaking to them. He was always revealing himself to them. Sometimes he was dealing with them. And they would speak about this uh, on a Sunday evening. So this quarter we are focusing on reach. It's the second word in our mission. And as our preaching focuses on reach, a team of people are being trained to go out into homes to reach using this tool that that is called the God test. And we want every single person in our congregation to do the God test. And at some stage we're going to be picking up a phone and phoning you and saying, can we come and do the God test? With you. And our youth department is busy preparing for Holiday Club at the moment, which is also the outreach arm of our children's ministry. Um, it's the place where our, our children who come on Friday night to Epic Kids or on Sunday morning to God's Epic Kids can bring their friends and their friends will hear the gospel at Holiday Club. And many adults in this congregation have, have taken the opportunity to invite someone to Holiday Club. Lorraine Larson invited Violet to Holiday Club. And a whole lot of teenagers ended up part of our youth ministry as a result of that one invitation. 
Two, Stain invited Zandile to Holiday Club. And as a result, Zandile has been part of our youth ministry. Mary Thompson invited Chris and Nelson, who've come on camps with us, and they've been at Holiday Club. And so even as adults in the congregation, you have really responded to that call to reach. And we thank you. At the same time, Tom and Marion are preparing to go to Mozambique on a mission trip. And um, I'm trying to persuade my wife that I'd like to go with. And um, she's the neck and I'm the head. And, um, and, and the training is coming up on Wednesday, the 3rd of June. And if you'd like to go to Mozambique with us to share the gospel, to plant churches, come to that training and find out what Mozambique mission is all, all about. So our preaching is about reaching, and the programs that we're doing right now are about reaching. And growing up, there were really two sides to our family. My mom came from Alice and King Williamstown area, same sort of area that Marion comes from, and she was a conservative Baptist. No dancing, no movies, no fun. And um, my mom's dad's name was Alan Aikman, and he founded a movement called Wayside Sunday School. And as a result of many Wayside, as a result of, of his starting Wayside Sunday School, many Wayside Sunday Schools sprung up around the country, particularly in the colored and black communities, and many churches came out of Wayside Sunday Schools. And Wayside Sunday Schools were called Wayside Sunday Schools because they happened on the wayside, they happened on the pavements, on the dusty streets of townships. My dad's family was a German-Jewish family. And my dad was raised by his mom and his granny and his mom's two sisters. And they didn't attend church. They didn't attend synagogue as far as I know. And for years and years, I remember us praying for my grand, Granny Hilda, and her two sisters as a family. I remember my sister writing a letter to my grand, inviting her to give her life to the Lord, pleading with her to give her life to the Lord. I remember my mom and dad visiting my gran as she lay in her retirement home on an oxygen tank because of emphysema to present the gospel to her on her deathbed. I also remember my, my dad and mom going through to visit one of the sisters as she lay also on her deathbed to present the gospel to her. And when it comes to reaching, I think reaching your family is the hardest whether it's parents trying to share their faith with their children or a son trying to share his faith with his mother. Reaching your family is hard. And in Deuteronomy, Moses gives the people instructions on how to pass their faith on to their children. And this is what it says. It says, Israel, remember this. The Lord and the Lord alone is our God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Never forget these commands that I'm giving you today. Teach them to your children. Repeat them when you're at home and when you're away, when you're resting and when you're working. Tie them on your arms. Wear them on your foreheads as a reminder. Write them on the doorposts of your houses, on your, on your gates. This morning I want to focus on three instructions that are found in this passage, love, never forget, and teach. And we're going to start off with love. And the words will be on the screen just so that you, to help you remember them. So firstly, love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. 
The funny thing about children is that they see us as parents, warts and all. So when we swear and shout and scream at taxi drivers, they see how we, how we treat taxi drivers. They see that frustration and that anger. They see how we treat family members. They see how we treat our spouse. And they know whether we truly love the Lord with our heart and with our soul and our strength. Because whatever God that we worship is probably going to be the God that they worship. In Proverbs, the wise man says, in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, he says, Teach children how they should live, and they will remember it all their life. And every day our children watch us. Every day we are teaching them what is important to us. Every day we reveal to them who our God really is. And so when your children watch you, do they see someone who loves the Lord with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their strength? And I can honestly say that as I watched my parents when I was a child and a teenager, that my parents loved the Lord with all their heart, with all their soul, and all their strength. And they continued to love Him and serve Him with their whole lives. So in a research project done by a guy called Christian Smith, he found that teenagers in America believe the following five things. Listen to this. The following five things is what average teenager in America believes. Number one, a God exists who created and ordered the world and watches over human life on earth. Number two, God wants people to be good, nice and fair to each other as taught in the Bible and by most world religions. Number three, the central goal of life is to be happy and to feel good about yourself. Number four, God does not need to be particularly involved in one's life except when needed to solve a problem. And number five, good people go to heaven when they die. And he uses this term to describe these five things that teenagers in America believe. And he uses the term moralistic therapeutic deism to describe the beliefs and the worldviews of teenagers. And many teenagers and young adults and adults around South Africa are really moralistic, therapeutic deists. In Paul's letter to Timothy, he says the following, and, and see if you can recognize some of this, because some of it I think is true to our country today. There will be times in the last days, there will be terrible times in the last days, people will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, sharing a form of godliness, but denying its power. Have nothing to do with such people. Does that sound like the world around us? Because moralistic, therapeutic deism, it looks a lot like Christianity, but it's a false god. And it's worshipped, that god is worshipped in our schools, even worshipped in our churches. 
worshipped in our community around us. The greatest thing that we can do for our children is to love God with all our hearts, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. Do not get caught up with the false gods of this world. Surrender every part of our lives to Jesus. Follow Him with everything that we have. Do not love the gods of this world, money, sex, and power, more than you love the one true God who created the world and everything in it. Love. Then Moses goes on in Deuteronomy to say this, Never forget. Never forget these commands that I'm giving you today. Another version says, Commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Because Moses had just given them the Ten Commandments. The first four commandments, commands about how we relate to God. The next six commands are commands about how we relate to other people. And in Matthew, we read a conversation between Jesus and a teacher of the law, and he says, which is the greatest commandment, teacher? And Jesus answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important commandment. And the second most important commandment is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. The whole law of Moses and the teaching of the prophets depend on these two commandments. In John, we read Jesus saying this, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and, and will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. When our children watch us, do they see someone who is living, living life God's way? Do they see parents who are different to the world? Parents who are obedient to the teachings of, of Jesus. And even in the Great Commission, Jesus says to his disciples, I've given authority in heaven and on earth. Go then to all peoples everywhere. Make them my disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this is the crunch. It's teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And I will be with you always to the end of the age. When Jesus came to earth, he did not come to abolish the Ten Commandments. He came to clarify the Ten Commandments. In Matthew chapter 5, as Jesus is teaching on a mountain, a sermon that we know as the Sermon on the Mount, he says the following three things. He says, You have heard that it was said to people long ago, You shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Do not murder. You have heard that it was says, you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Do not commit adultery. It has been said anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce, but I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. 
And the world around us is challenging God's law, isn't it? I mean, some churches are even watering down God's law and taking on the values of the culture around us. But as followers of Christ, we are called to obey the Ten Commandments. We are called to obey everything that Jesus taught. We are called to love God and love people the way that we love ourselves. And the Spirit of Jesus comes to in, into our lives and gives us spiritual gifts so that we can serve the Lord. And He gives us spiritual fruit so that we can become like Jesus. And when we have the fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control in our lives, then loving our neighbor the, we, the, the way that we love ourselves is something that the Spirit produces in us. Don't forget. And then teach. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, after the first two instructions to love God and never forget these commandments, Moses tells the people, teach them to your children. We live at a time when we as God's people on earth have become like the people of Israel in the promised land. We've forgotten that Jesus told us to obey everything that he taught. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, Moses warns the people as they're about to go into the promised land. He says, do not worship other gods, any of the gods of the peoples around you. If you do worship other gods, the Lord's anger will come against you like fire and will destroy you completely because the Lord your God who is present with you tolerates no rivals. And yet sadly, as God's people, we often look no different from the world. And in some ways, we worship the same gods. And even as people have done surveys, and they've done surveys amongst church Christian people, and they've done surveys amongst people from the world, they've found that the, the facts point to that, that the church is sometimes no different from the world. We do not worship the God of the Bible, but we worship the gods of this world. And in Deuteronomy, not only are we warned not to forget the commands, but we are told to teach them to our children. Sometimes we think it's the job of the children's ministry to teach our children, but it's ours as parents. It's our responsibility to teach them. And then Moses goes on to tell us how. How to teach our children. And he gives us three ways to teach God's commands to our children. Three words. Repeat, tie, and write. The first way that it gives parents to teach these commands to their children is to repeat the commands over and over again. He says, repeat them when you're at home. Repeat them when you're away. Maybe when you're on a holiday on the coast. When you are resting. When you are working. Repeat. 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 Repeat God's commands to your children. Every moment of every day, at every opportunity, when you're having a meal, on Facebook, on WhatsApp, on Snapchat, I don't even know what that is. Repeat these commands. Repeat them. Tie them on your arms and wear them on your foreheads as a reminder. Print t-shirts. Make it your screensaver on your computer. Make it your Facebook profile. Some of you might not know how to do that, but ask a teenager to help you. And... Make it your WhatsApp profile. 
Tie them on your arms. Wear them on your foreheads as a reminder. Thirdly, write them on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates. When your electric gate opens and you drive into your driveway, may these commands be the first thing that your children see. When they walk into the front door of your house, may these commands be the first thing that your children see. Love God. Love people. And the sad thing is that children who have no conscience, who have no sense of right and wrong, they don't experience guilt and shame, and they don't feel the need for grace and for forgiveness. Parents, God is calling you to love God more than you love anything else. Never forget the commands of God, the teachings of Jesus. Teach your children to obey these commands. Teach them by repeating it over and over again. Teaching it, teach them by tying the commands to your body. Write the commands at the gate of your house and on the door. Do not forget these commands and do not let your children forget these commands because, because we, as the church, we are a chosen people. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are the called out ones. We are God's special possession so that we as the church may declare the praises of Him who called us out of darkness into this wonderful light. I want to close with a song by a band called Casting Crowns. It's called, What If His People Prayed? The song may not be your taste in music. It's a little bit rock. I want to you to read the words on the screen as the song plays. But I just want to read the first two lines. It says, What if the armies of the Lord picked up and dusted off their swords, bowed to set the captives free, and not let Satan have one more? What if the church, for heaven's sake, finally stepped up to the plate to stand upon God's promises and stormed hell's rusty gates. What if his people prayed, and those who bear his name would humbly seek his face and turn from their own way? Let's listen to it. The armies of the Lord Picked up and dusted off their swords Vowed to set the captive free and not let Satan have one more. What if the church, for heaven's sake, finally stepped up to the plate, took a stand upon God's promise, and storm held rusty gates? What if his people prayed?
Tuesday, Marion raised the xenophobia in our country and she said, we, we need to pray. We need to pray this week. We need to pray tomorrow. And as a result, we sent out SMSs and emails to you. We had about 40 people here in this, in this building praying for our country. I know that every one of you as you sit here this morning are concerned, are fearful, are frightened about what could happen in South Africa, are disillusioned by the violence, by the crime, by the poverty. What if his people prayed? What would happen if his people prayed? What if we as the church, what if we turned from our wicked ways and humbled ourselves and prayed? I really believe that that's what God is calling us to do this morning calling us to turn from our wicked ways. He's calling us to pray for our land, the land that we love. I want to invite you this morning. If you would like to re-surrender your life to, to the Lord this morning, I'd like to say, Lord, I've been going the wrong direction. I've been sliding away from you. I'd like to invite you to come and kneel at the communion rail this morning. Renew your, your commitment to Christ this morning. Renew your commitment to loving God with all your heart and soul and mind and loving your neighbor. I'm going to ask Alan and the team to come up and they're going to start playing that song that they played just now a few seconds ago. And I really want to invite you to come and kneel at the cross. 
and re-surrender your life to, to, to the Lord and ask Him to change you. Ask Him to change our land. And it starts with us. It starts in our hearts. If you want to see change in South Africa, it needs to start here, in our own hearts. Let's all stand. If you'd like to renew your commitment to the Lord this morning, I ask you to come and kneel. Kneel at the cross. No 
continue to spiral into darkness or are we going to be the light as God's church his hands and feet his salt in this world we're going to close with a song how great is our God and as we sing this song about how awesome and how great God is continue to surrender yourself to Christ and say Lord here I am Lord use me Use me to bring about change just in in the world around me, just in my community, in my neighborhood, in my family. Lord, use me because you are an awesome God. You are the great I am. How great is our God. at his voice and trembles at his voice how great is our God sing with me how great is our God and oh we'll see how great how great is our God and age to age he stands
song that I played you earlier, the line that I love the most is this one. What if the life that we pursued came up came from a hunger for the truth? What if the family turned to Jesus and stopped asking Oprah what to do? love that line. And it's true. So as we, as we close, maybe just have a seat for a moment. There's just three announcements that I want to I wanna share with you. The first, that is on, on Thursday, it's Ascension Day. And we're offering you two services on Ascension Day. One service at 10 here in the morning and another service in the evening at 7. And we'd love you to come and worship with us as we remember when Christ left and when he gave us this great commission to go and make disciples of all nations. And then secondly, uh, for Pentecost, we've really been doing something very special we're busy building a relationship with Four Ways United Church. They're a two-way United Church. They're Presbyterian and Congregational, whereas we're a three-way United Church, Methodist, Presbyterian, and Congregational. And on Friday night, we had a time together of the Church Council of Four Ways and the Church Council of Randpock Ridge United coming together to, to have communion together, to have supper together, to worship and to pray together. The two leaderships. And in two weeks' time, on a Friday evening, on the 22nd of May, right here in the sanctuary, we'll be having a time of worship. Always United Church and Rand Park Ridge United Church worshiping together and praying for our nation. This is an opportunity to be the people that prays for change in our country. And we want to invite you to come along and join us. At half past six, we'll be having supper tell you more about that next week at 7 o'clock till about quarter to 8. We'll have a time of worship and, and open prayer for our country. And then right at the end, optional for parents and families, they're welcome to leave at quarter to 8. Right at the end, for about half an hour, we'll be showing one of the Nicky Gumble DVDs on the Holy Spirit. So we really encourage you to come and join us. Um, and then on the Sunday, we're going to do a pulpit and worship team swap. So on Pentecost Sunday, Steve Dunnett and the worship team from Four Ways United are going to be coming here. And on that Sunday, Craig Morrison and the worship team from Rand Park Ridge United Church will be going there to the Indaba Hotel to lead worship at Four Ways United. And it's a very special relationship and friendship that we're developing mm -hmm. with that congregation. We invite you to come and join us for that. Let's join hands and say the benediction together. <laughs> 